everyone, I'm a Maxter. This is Outox, Episode 7, the show where we interview game developers. For this episode, we have Jay Collins on, who's the creator of most recently uh, Space Plan. Hello. Hello. Hi. So, uh, for those who don't know, you are a graphic designer by trade, right? Yeah, uh, originally. Right. So, what got you into making games? Uh, it's kind of silly. Um, well, I was, I was just about to quit games in my second year of uni studying uh, graphic design. Because I figured, you know, games are for kids and you should grow out of them. But then uh, at the same time, I decided to experiment with doing a project based around games. And uh, one of the guest lecturers we had said that, uh, why am I doing a project about games? They're for nerds in their basement with pain- ponytails. And uh, oh it, pissed me off. it pissed me off yeah. so much that I was just like, okay, uh, I-, I get why a lot of people have that perception of games. And so perhaps rather than feeling that... Uh, I should grow up games. Perhaps I could should try and work on making games grow up with me, and just kind of being a part of that push, which I think a lot of people are trying to do at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I saw on your uh, website you wrote a dissertation on game design, I think, which was really interesting and I think cool because um it's nice to see games like um taken more seriously in like an academic environment. Yeah. Yeah. True. Although uh, that said, Space Plan's a very silly game, as is not a hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're uh, too related to real science, especially in Space Plan. Um, your first kind of project in games was Hero Time, which was uh, like your uh, solo <laughs> effort. What was wow, that you like? really have done a bit of research, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was uh, just trying to get scripts with Game Maker. Um, I just kind of literally just wanted to find out what it's like to make my own game. Um, I started working on that. It was just going to be like an infinite runner where you like swipe up and down and stuff just to kind of get to grips with how to make a game. But um, while I was working on it, I landed my job at Roll7 doing Not a Hero. And so I was just like, I, I just didn't have the time to work on it anymore. And by the time I did have time again, I'd completely lost interest in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Not a Hero would be your first big real project. How did you get, um, how did you get a job there? It was, uh, so I went to, uh, during my dissertation uh, for research on it, I went to an indie meetup in London. So there's this one once a month in North London where you go to a pub and it's just completely packed with um, hobby and professional game designers. And uh, they have like laptops set up and all the tables with like custom controllers and things like that. And they're just showing each other their games. And um, so, yeah, when they had to do a bit of research for my dissertation, I got way too drunk, uh, met a bunch of people, uh, one of them being John from Roll7, who I emailed in the morning asking for uh, if I could write about his game in my dissertation. And he, through that, saw my portfolio, asked me to do a logo for Not a Hero. And um, from there, it sort of just snowballed into me doing all of the kind of visual design around that game, including marketing and artwork and animation and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was an um, interesting, uh, like, when was this year-wise? That would have been January 2014, I think. Right, right. So at this time, like, indie games, uh, kind of uh, at this point, like a mainstream thing, you know, Steam and everything's popular. How much of, a, like, a UK-based indie community was there? Because I know, obviously, there's the, you know, obvious hubs, like uh, California and places, Northern California and the U.S. Uh, what is it like in London? It's, I mean, I can't speak for how much is growing too much because I think 
in the grand like indies have been picking up pretty big since about 2006 seven i think um mm-hmm. so obviously the last three years isn't too much of that but when like for example when i first went to these meetups in north london i think that was like the one meetup really um it was it wasn't too big like you there was space to breathe when you're walking around now when you go to this meetup it's like you can hardly move when you go into this pub and it's just become extremely oversaturated the the scene here is excellent there's like uh constantly game jams going on there's various different groups that you can just kind of get into and uh meet other designers and developers loads of people trying to collaborate constantly uh yeah it's gotten pretty huge here i think Mm -hmm. right and uh, back to the game. So, not a hero. It's a game with a lot of personality, and so is um, you know you're working with Devolver Digital then as well, um, which is a publisher with a lot of personality. Was what was it like? Just you know, obviously you've done design work before, but doing design work in games. Um, what was that kind of bachelor experience like? It was really weird, largely well for a couple of reasons. Like in in uni, um, you saw very much that a project won't last more than like two weeks. You've got to just in that amount of time, plan something out, experiment, go through this whole process and end up really refined and polished thing in a very short amount of time. So going from that sort of time scale to a game that you've got to work on constantly for like a year um, was pretty crazy. But then uh, on top of that, it's really strange because uh, in games, there's this expectation of we need this animation of this character doing this and we need it by the end of the day it's like you don't have enough time to really experiment with things and you've got to have to kind of try and nail it on the first go. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that other studios have a different process for that. And uh, it's something that I've like tried to move on through, but working there at the time, it was very much, you know, do this now, do it quickly, do it, you know, nail it first time. It was quite crazy. Right. Especially if it's indie, you're probably the only guy doing art. So it's a lot exactly, of work. Exactly. Yeah. It was an insane workload. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so again, you worked, you worked with Devolver Digital then, and you worked with them recently with Space Plan. Uh, what made you decide to go with a publisher for that? Uh, well, when I um, released the web version of Space Plan for free, um, I wasn't working in games. Uh, I was working in a more corporate position doing front-end development for different companies. Uh, so when... And I... And I didn't really like it very much it was pretty depressing hence why i was working on games in my spare time um right so yeah randomly kind of landed that it was a pretty big success and a couple of different publishers got in contact with me uh i said to myself like you know i'm gonna approach this with integrity if these publishers won't give me what i want then i won't go for publisher um and i'll take i'd, I'd probably still be working on it now because i'd be working on it in my spare time and it would be quite a difficult thing to do um, so yeah, luckily though, uh, well, two of those three publishers wanted to add microtransactions to the game and they weren't mm-hmm. willing to give me funding, um, which meant that it doesn't really help anything because funding is the main thing I needed so I could get the game done quickly. And on top right. of that, I just, I, I entertained the ideas of going towards microtransactions. You know, I, I was willing to have a conversation with the publishers and say like, right, how we do this in a way that's ethical and doesn't completely ruin the game. Uh, but it was, I wasn't happy with the direction any of that was going. So Devolver were just kind of like, yeah, whatever, people will probably buy it, let's do it. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. they, they had no idea that anyone would buy a premium premium clicker, um, but they just kind of, you know, believed it and went with it. And that's why, yeah, I'd always go with them. 
Right. And for those uh, watching or listening who don't know, Space Plan is like a narrative-based clicker game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, right. very silly genre of games. An excellent genre of games. I really like it. I want to explore it more. I want to see it explore more, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's uh, it's unique in two ways. You mentioned the microtransactions thing. It's a paid upfront clicker game. Uh, and it's also a clicker game with an end. It's not like something you can, I mean, you could play it in perpetuity, but uh, it's designed to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Uh, what was it like designing a story for that kind of experience where you're just doing a very um, simple mechanic over and over again? Um, I didn't like really have plans to add a story when I first made it. Uh, I just kind of wanted it to be a almost create your own story kind of thing, like just kind of probing this planet and getting information on it. But um, I went to add a like boot up to it, and I was just like, wow, I've made a really over-the-top obnoxious boot-up sequence to this game. Um, I kind of want to take the piss out of that. So I added this little narrative module that would kind of comment on things you're doing and what what's happening. And uh, with that, it just kind of literally there wasn't any planning for the story or anything i just kind of hammered it all out just stupidly and uh when i released it people really liked it so that was quite good yeah but uh, i think that the the genre is really good to uh use to deliver a narrative because it's almost like uh reading a book except it just kind of gives you small snippets in small bites it kind of gives you time to digest it and use your own imagination to uh kind of work on the story yourself and then you're given another little snippet of what's happening next right and is it like easier to experiment with that kind of formatted game where the mechanics really easy to design you just kind of have to make it interesting over time yeah like i think that the um idle game sort of format of game it's almost like a blank canvas is you have a very simple mechanic and then you can kind of apply your own personality to it or your own kind of approach to games to that Mm-hmm. And was there any kind of inspiration either from other clicker games or just like um, any sort of games in terms of designing, uh, designing it, uh, how, because the game, it takes a turn, like I, I was playing it um, through the middle, it starts to, or maybe it's like the first hour, I forget. Um, it, at first, I'm like, okay, this is a neat clicker. And then like 30, 40 minutes in, it starts to really expand in scope, even though you're doing the same thing, like the narrative and everything else you're doing, uh, and the interface even, everything opens up. How did you get that inspiration to just like go super ambitious and um, for a clicker anyways, like to just do something crazy with the way that game uh, ends. I don't want to spoil anything. Well, for the like initial approach to designer on it, on it, um, I was really inspired by cookie clicker and a dark room, which are both, uh, like known as the biggest clickers in the genre. Uh, so like when I went into it, I was just like, okay, there hasn't been a good clicker since these two games. And it's debatable on cookie clicker. Cause that's, it was good because it was like the first big one, right? Uh, right. Things like a dark room, uh, I think, hold up in quality for the narrative and the gameplay approach. If you played that, have you? Mm-hmm. I've not. Oh, you should. It's excellent. Um, so with a dark room, it starts out, and uh, you just have like a black screen that says, and you have a little button saying "stoke the fire." So you stoke the fire, and it says like the room is warm. And you stoke it again, it's like the room is warmer and things like that. And then you just keep stoking the fire and then someone stumbles in and you just keep stoking the fire and they like kind of warm up and start to talk to you. And this game, uh, it just kind of, 
it doesn't tell you enough ever. It just kind of constantly keeps you wondering what's happening, where you are. And uh, it starts with just this small room and through you just doing these extremely simple interactions, it opens it up into like you're managing an entire village and you're exploring a world and it's, uh, it's really clever. So I want to kind of get that sort of mystery into it. Uh, so in Space Planet, like initially you're orbiting this planet, you don't know what it is, why you're there and things like that. And it just kind of gives you bite-sized pieces of information and keeps you guessing uh, with this mystery right until the last minute, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And then in terms of gameplay, uh, I, I think that cookie, uh, cookie, blah, uh, cookie Clicker's sort of balance and things like that are perfect in the way that items are priced. So I base a lot of my sort of uh, formulas around theirs, basically. Um, and then the later game, uh, which I think you're talking about when you say the gameplay kind of opening up, where you're like dropping probes onto the planet and hitting particular targets, right? Right, and also just destroying the solar system as you increase the sun's mass, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that sort of idea was... I don't know, it was, it was just from reading um, the book that it's, like, loosely based on uh, the Stephen Hawking's history of time. Very loosely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was... So, when I went into it first, I sort of wanted to make a narrative game based on that book so it'd be like it'll go it'll go for all the different concepts so it'd start with the big bang and then it'll go to the earth the earth kind of changing and uh it would go through different models of the universe and uh go towards black holes and time travel and things like that but um i hugely simplified it into what space plan is and uh it just kind of the narrative sort of wrote itself because i was like okay uh i want to the the earth's dead um and I'd read about the Big Crunch and how supposedly uh, towards the Big Crunch, time will reverse itself. So I was like, okay, that's really cool. So it would be cool if you could save the world. It's already dead, but you can save it by going forward in time so that the universe starts to reverse and time goes backwards. And then you can just hope there's a Big Bang that would be exactly the same and you'd end up back in the Earth and you can warn them what's going to happen. I was just like, that's a ridiculously huge scale for this kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I like that kind of direction for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and I mean, it's hilarious when the computer system's telling you all of this. It just sounds so ridiculous, but it's totally in keeping with the tone of the game. Yeah, um, like when, well, with that, I just got to say, uh, I, I was going to like do that so it slowly explains the whole plot to you because it's kind of it's building up the whole narrative but instead of like slowly explaining that part of the plot it just dumps it all on you in one game in one go to try and make it like completely overwhelming uh that was largely because like i was i was at a bar with my one of my colleagues at the time and uh, he was like oh what's that game you're working on and i sat there and like over like five to ten minutes tried to describe all of these concepts in a short amount of time just threw all of this information at him and he just sat there and was just like that sounds fucking stupid and i was like yeah that's the way i want to try and pitch it to the player too (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely a ridiculous game but it works well and also it's um it's on steam it's on mobile and on steam um i want to talk about the price thing because you know it's kind of normal for like a couple dollar um simple indie game on steam that's what audiences are used to but on mobile especially in recent years you see less and less even indie games charging up front especially a clicker game 
what was it like deciding to do that and potentially turning down a lot of money uh, instead of, you know, going free to play with microtransactions? Uh, are you talking about the specific price point we chose or are you talking priced versus free? Like just specifically free? having a paid up front uh, versus free with microtransactions. Well, I think that um, mobile games in particular really need to move more towards paid games because when I think about the quality of mobile games there are, I can't think of many and the few that I can think of are paid and it's because if you want to make a quality game, then, well, if you want to make a quality free game, then you, you can't make money out of it and you can't support yourself because uh, you're going to have to put ads in there which completely destroy the integrity of it if it's like a narrative atmospheric thing if it's you know based purely on gameplay it can still be fun and have adverts in it but if you're trying to build a story and immerse the player then you can't just have a pop-up come up because that is it's no longer a good game and then uh you could go go the route of microtransactions but then there are very few ways that can work the fact is that for example in the clicker if you're going to have microtransactions in a clicker, then your motivation is to make the player get bored and want to have fun again by paying money. And so, mm-hmm. again, you just ruin the integrity of the quality there. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was it was no question I had to go for that. I mean, I, I do have ideas for games in the future that I might do with microtransactions, but it would be done in a way that I feel like I'm not trying to exploit the player something that can kind of complement it but um i think that's a very hard thing to strike so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, for that reason i think more paid games and on that note um i think that mobile games should be more expensive because we've started with this whole impression that mobile games are worthless and they should be like one or two pounds and things like that and even people even then people like two pounds for a game are you insane (laughs) yeah i know uh, so I, I love that Nintendo Super Mario Run did that for like £10. It's insane the amount of shit they got for it, but I think that that was a position of integrity and that was a great thing to do. I'd like to see more like AAA mobile games doing that so that perhaps indie games can start to push it up a bit. Obviously never ripping off the player. Like If you're paying £20 for a mobile game, say so that's getting a bit silly, but we need to raise that expectation, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you have games like um, Threes, which can last literally years, uh, and that game was sold for like two or three dollars, and then it was basically it wasn't a failure, but it did not succeed nearly as well as uh, I think Twenty Forty Eight was like the clone that ripped it off. That was just a free game. Yeah, like they have so many stories like that on the App Store uh, and on Google Play. You know, all the mobile stuff. Um, just because the market is not really receptive to paying for games. Like, like it's not something that people think about even, uh, and if they do, definitely not beyond like $5 or $3. So it's definitely a tough thing. Um, and I think you're, you're like $3, right, on the App Store? I think so, something like that. I, I get confused. It, it's yeah, which is, like, <laughs> which is like a good price point. And I think it, it helped out because um, I think Apple featured you, right? Yeah, yeah. They gave us a week on the front page, which is lovely of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you? Do you think like mobile, like relative to Steam, how do you think mobile has done? It's, so I'm still, I haven't got any hard numbers yet, but I get the impression that um, for this game, at least, I think Apple has been the biggest uh, income. Um, although after the initial like week, it just plummets. So all of 
the money you're going to make off that game is in within the first couple of days, basically. Uh, right. Whereas Steam is much lower, but it's much more consistent. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess over the long term, that'll be a great platform, which I, I wasn't even going to put it on Steam. Um, Devolver insisted that I do a PC version because they were like, it's worth doing. And yeah, I think it is because, like I say, that's more consistent over time. Uh, Google Play. I've been kind of disappointed because I'm like, I used to be like a huge Android user, but after releasing on Google Play, I can see why um, so many developers like don't even bother because compared to the other mm-hmm. platforms, it just doesn't bring in as much. But um, I'd, I'm still going to support it and I'd like to see uh, that work a bit better in future. <laughs> but I, I, I don't yeah, understand I think- why it's not as good as Apple in that regard. I think it's because you have passionate Android users, you know, just like there are passionate Apple users when we're talking about games. Um, But it's just that there's a lot less of them, whereas most of like Google Play is just uh, teenagers who want free games or like maybe, I don't know, it's just a different audience and a different like, I think developers have always found this, that it's so hard to get people to pay, period, but on Android, especially so just because of the way the market works. I guess, I don't know, I think Apple kind of has an advantage there, which is why they always, you know, feature the games like Monument Valley and, uh, you know, Space Plan, because that helps them out a lot. And it seems like their audience is just a little more receptive to it. Well, I think on top of that, like if you have an Apple device, then you're probably someone who's willing to pay for something premium. Right. So just right off there, you've the entry barrier means that you're probably willing to pay for games, whereas Android... um, yeah, a lot of people don't quite get what's the point in paying a bit more for quality. And so uh, I guess that, yeah, that's reflected in the apps that they end up with. Right. Like if someone has a $50 phone, they're probably not going to be spending like $10 in apps every week. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, the look of Space Plan is also kind of unique because like it's a clicker, you know, people think, what's the look? Uh, like Cookie Clicker, I think it was just a cookie and there was a background where more cookies fell. Um, Space Plan has this particularly minimalist thing going on. How did you decide on that design? I just wanted to keep it really simple. I, I sort of have an obsession with making things look sort of uh, extremely simple so that I can surprise you with something much more complex later. So like in the original web game, the whole thing's just a 2D red spot and you get like white squares and white rectangles and things like that. But then it goes through this very visual ending and goes into like 3D animation and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that by uh, getting people used to something very simple, you can really blow them away but with something much bigger. Although... The quality is consistent. It's not like, you know, I'm intentionally making the design bad to be begin with and then lovely later. It's just complexity, not quality. Um, so, yeah, like that geometric thing is very much from a graphic design background, just kind of less is more and uh, trying to communicate the idea that you've got this plan to people uh, as simply as you can. Right. And the 3D thing I found kind of interesting because there's the whole game is sort of 3D, but I, I didn't notice it at first. And then you kind of like tilt your phone around and things start perspective shifting. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, I wanted to kind of make that quite subtle. I didn't want to be like, hey, it's 3D, check it out. And it's just kind of be like, you know, you'll only even notice if you actually pay attention. Right, yeah. I think that's kind of a cool detail in there that I think, I don't know, I bet like half the player base might not even notice um, up until the ending thing anyways. So anyhow, um, 
this is the probably the most important question. Why potatoes? <laughs> uh, so when I was like sort of researching Cookie Clicker and why I think that succeeded so much. So when I originally made Space Plan, I was like, uh, it's going to be, you're just going to have probes and like robots and everything's going to be made out of metal and shit like that. But then uh, I was researching Cookie Clicker and I realized that really early on they have a comedic hook, which is first you buy cursors to click the cookie for you and then you buy grandmas to bake cookies for you. And uh, I think that that's a big part of Cookie Clicker's success, that you have this little joke that gets you interested in where this is going. Um, so I was like, okay, how do I replicate that with power? And I was like, okay, potatoes are pretty funny. They generate power. Let's just have the next item as a potato. Uh, so second item is potato. Then I was like, yeah, I want to have probes next. And I was like, probes, probe potato. That's, that's pretty funny. So I was like, okay, we're going to launch little probes, which potatoes down to the planet. And then uh, I was just like, okay, enough potatoes, we're done. And then I was like, Spudnik, that's the <laughs> best pun I've ever come up with. So I was just like, yeah, okay, uh, we've done potatoes too much now. We can't just go back to not having potatoes. The whole game is going to be about potatoes now. Right. Yeah, it has that lovely thing. And it's great because um, if you just look at the screen, you can't tell that anything's potatoes, but just the, all the text of uh, descriptions and the puns and everything are just great. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted it to, like, there to always be a contrast between... Uh, so I wanted it to be very visually mature and serious, but right. I hate things that take themselves too seriously. So I think it's great that while it's visually mature, it's uh, narratively just stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great contrast. I think that's part of why people are so, like, um, so enchanted with the game. It just really... It, I don't know, it... It like it's a new kind of personality in a clicker. Like Cookie Clicker had elements of that if you read like the item descriptions and just everything. But I think Space Plan more directly kind of like shoves the personality in your face in a good way. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I think it's great. Um, so after Space Plan, uh, that's so that's been released. I think like a month or two now, right? Yeah, it's just over two months now. Yeah. Um, what do you plan to do next in games? Currently, I'm still like hung up on trying to fix some last bugs with it. Uh, they're some pretty nasty bugs. So once that's done, um, I'll be moving on to... I'm, I'm still looking at doing more idle games. I have some ideas, although uh, I haven't really begun experimenting. But at the same time, I've pissed off to Southeast Asia for up to six months, where I'm hoping that it can kind of help feed into inspiration and things so i'll be working on games while here i'm in bangkok right now so um i'll be working on games here working all over thailand stuff on them and uh yeah we'll see how that feeds into it but yeah idle games definitely because it needs to be explored a lot more it's a really interesting format for games i think that uh, i want more people to play games but i want people to play games less so i think that idle games really complement that principle because you can be controlling entire like space fleet while cooking your dinner and yeah. shit like that you just kind of you tell the game what to do and it does it and then mm -hmm. you come back to it and it's progressed without you i think that's a really cool format yeah and you can open up to a new audience because like you 
the traditional gamer audience, you know, it's not just limited to that. I, I, I can imagine probably like having my mom play Space Plan or something. It's just very, um, it's so much more accessible by nature. Yeah, it's really difficult to um, change people's expectations on that though, because I think that uh, a lot of that traditional gamer crowd are really into Space Plan and clickers and things like that. But so you get, you, it seems like there's like two different uh, groups of people that are in space plan like half of them wish it was endless and they're pissed off that they completed it in like six hours because they just sat there clicking constantly <laughs> which is not how i want people to play it but i understand that that is some of my audience and perhaps i need to cater to them and mm -hmm. then on the other end of the spectrum you have people that just like play it in little five minute bursts and it takes them like two or three weeks to complete the game and that's like exactly what i want out of it and they're just like oh it ended that's fantastic um I think that that's the audience that I'd like to cater to and the way that I'd like to push my work more. But there's a lot of re resistance from the former group because they're just like, that's not how games should be. I should be sitting there playing it constantly. So, uh, yeah, I want to change that expectation. Yeah, and it's different on mobile. I mean, it's much easier to do that than on Steam. I think the whole idle game category on Steam, like you mentioned, it's it's not really something you're designing for. You're kind of designing for phones and tablets, right? Yeah, but at the same time, uh, once I decided that the game was going to be on Steam as well, I didn't like uh, neglect the design on that. I still wanted to make sure it's a quality experience. So um, there are. That's why, for example, you have the so in the web version there was the there wasn't the what do I call it the Kinetogen Sparkifier, which is this thing where as long as you're being active, then it gives you a boost a multiplier on the power right. of the game. So I added that largely for the Steam version because I figured people will probably want to get, will want to be a bit more active. Uh, so yeah, I was trying to strike a good balance between both formats. Right. Yeah, and I think it. Um, yeah, it's done well, and hopefully, uh, Space Plan continues to do well because there's that Steam summer sale. I don't know if that's still going on, um, but I'm pretty sure it was discounted on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was on. It was like one dollar fifty or one pound and, and uh, people still complained i'd like to point out <laughs> still got emails saying like why should i pay this much for a game and it's just why like would you, why would responding. you email though like I, I can understand like someone just looking at like one dollar whatever i don't pay for games but emailing that seems kind of crazy um, yeah you've probably lost money by <clears throat> spending the time writing that email <laughs> yeah if yeah like even if yeah no matter what um yeah well Good luck with that. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, thank you, everyone who's listening or watching to this. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Google Play, Apple Podcast, all that great stuff. Um, and any more final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you again. And yeah, so you can catch us there. And uh, we'll hopefully be back next week. See ya. Great. Cheers.